Hello and welcome to DFS Coach Talk. It is Sunday, May 24th, 2020. I am Andrew Hansen. Very happy to be joined on this holiday edition by Mike Apatria. Mike, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, besides the technical difficulties, I feel like I'm dealing with every other day, Andrew. I, I do uh, I do appreciate your patience. Uh, it was either, it's either my Wi-Fi, my Skype. So if there are any intrusions or me collapsing on this uh, on this show, um, that's probably why. Uh, I'm just dealing with some stuff over here. So I do appreciate it, man. But I'm, I got a beautiful day ahead, man. I'm looking forward to some grilling. I'm looking forward to some chilling. I'm uh, gonna get some burgers, some dogs, and uh, you know I've been making some pulled pork. Uh, you know I may I do everything big over here, Andrew. I'm a cooker. Uh, I like to cook myself. So everything's homemade. Pasta, salad. We got cucumber salad with some dill, tomato, moots, man. I'm I'm I made a spread. I made a spread. That sounds legit. You go big or go home at the Apatria Barbecue. This is great and fun to be on with you. It feels like forever. Um, but we've waited for this holiday edition to go with the first overall pick, Mike Apatria, to talk about <laughs> Joe Burrow. Talk about yeah, Joe man. go home. Finally, some excitement that's, for the Cincinnati Bengals. And that's and that's exactly it. And they, uh, you know, they need it. Um, I mean, they were kind of getting some exciting years at one point, reaching playoffs again on a routine basis. And then uh, it seems like the past three, four seasons have just been you know, lost uh, them waiting on trying to, you know, capture something, some sort of relevancy. Uh, but, you know, it is what it is. They're they're back. They got the number one pick. They're going to see how he can do. I don't think they're expecting the, the world to change overnight. I hope not, uh, you know, because that's not necessarily going to happen. But they're, they're, they're taking the right rebuilding steps. We saw a lot of offseason moves that they made, uh, a lot of, you know, can't miss draft picks, I guess, guys that fell into their lap early on and then guys that they're just looking to make sure they can't miss on filling a position. So, uh, you know, we got a little bit to get to. We got some very fantasy relevant guys. It's just going to be all about based on matchup with them, in my opinion. So, uh, you know, I don't want to let the cat out of the bag too early, but we'll get we'll get to a lot of that. But an exciting day, nonetheless, to talk about the first overall pick, Joe Burrows. Yes, indeed. It's good stuff. So uh, welcome into DFS Coach Talk. If you're new to the program, we are in the middle of a 32-day virtual tour around the NFL. We're previewing one team per day from a DFS perspective, and we have just transitioned to the AFC North. And if you've been following along, you're noticing that we're starting with the worst record in each division. So we start with the Bengals. We're going to work our way up toward the Ravens. Uh, and you can learn more at DFSCoachTalk.com. We cover the NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball. We're also giving out free advice on the KBO right now. Uh, and memberships are frozen until we get a U.S. sport back up and running. Uh, so feel free to jump in and get one of our weekly, monthly, or annual memberships. And uh, with this holiday weekend, it's kind of maybe appropriate to think forward, think forward to the next big holiday, the 4th of July. Maybe we'll have some Major League Baseball at that point, and maybe we'll have some NBA right around the corner. Yeah, man, I'm praying for it, man. I'm hoping. Uh, I, I'm pretty excited about today. I know you're going to be watching at 3 o'clock, man. Uh, you're going yes. to see a little, a little golf action. Um, man, th this is going to be, I think, probably one of the, the most fun sporting events. Uh, and I'm not just saying that just because of the, the COVID pandemic kind of shutting everything down. But this would just this would have just been awesome regardless, because these guys mic'd up are hilarious. Peyton and, and Tom are, are can't miss TV when they're with each other. They're they're hilarious. They're going to crack jokes. They've already began cracking jokes. I don't know if you've seen the 
I was talking about, I think last show, the pressure, the presser where uh, Peyton was ripping into Tom saying why they have to do it in Florida because he's on house arrest and things like that. Uh, so I'm excited for it and I, I'm, I'm going to have it on my laptop outside grilling. Yeah, I can't wait. And, you know, Phil's going to be talking junk. And if you don't follow Phil Mickelson on Twitter, you've got to. I mean, he makes <laughs> videos talking about hitting bombs that are just hilarious. So um, there's one piece of advice for you here. Uh, but yeah, that's going to be a great competition. So let's start to jump into these Bengals competitions that we're going to see this fall. And they are led by second year head coach Zach Taylor. Mike, do you think he'll have a little bit more success this year now that he's had a year with these guys and not really a regular full seat preseason, but a little bit more of an offseason and preseason to to build towards success on the field? Yeah, most definitely. I mean, Taylor's a guy, he's coming over from uh, McVay's system over there. He was he was in St. Louis. So uh, his first season actually with the team was kind of abbreviated in its own way, somewhat like it is right now, where he didn't have as much time, uh, you know, leading up to the season or as much time as a rookie head coach would like because he was busy in playoffs. He was still working. Uh, so that was a little bit abbreviated. A lot of that first year was kind of spent, you know, acclimating, getting to know his players, getting to know his team, uh, getting to know an identity and a direction. Uh, you know, taking over something that was kind of tattered for a few years prior, um, you know, trying to get the Bengals back to a winning culture that they were, I guess, used to seeing for a four or five year time span. So, uh, yeah, I do think that it's definitely going to be more successful. I think that, you know, it's another obstacle, but, I, I, you know, it, it's 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 time that he's at least being able to spend talking to his players and getting used to. So um, a full year under his belt will definitely be useful. Uh, but you know, it's, it's still going to be a bumpy road, not an easy schedule. They have a pretty tough schedule. They have, everybody's dealing with the same obstacle that they're dealing with, but they're also dealing with it with their first, uh, the, their best player. Now their first overall pick, um, on the positive, you know, they, they had the first overall pick. They weren't shy about expressing their love for Joe Burrows leading up to the draft. So, you know, that they've been in communication with them as much as they could be, uh, and probably trying to, you know, game plan him for the season prior to the draft even starting. So. Uh, I think step in the right direction, but still ways to go. Absolutely. Yeah. So it was the end of an era last year with Andy Dalton. Uh, Taylor and Dalton gave it a go. It didn't really work very well. He was under 60 percent completions. Uh, 3,400 yards was all right, but only 16 touchdowns and 14 interceptions. So uh, that was a problem. The offensive uh, performance on the ground was way below average, 25th in the league in rushing yardage. And they only scored nine times on the ground and they averaged 3.9 yards per carry, which was 24th. Um, you know, it's a little bit surprising based on the talent of Joe Mixon and Gio Bernard and they were healthy. But I know um, from your perspective, one of the keys was the offensive line. And do you think that uh, the Bengals are looking up a little bit in terms of better offensive line performance this year. Well, they definitely, I mean, they, they couldn't get much worse uh, than, than what they were last season. They were pretty <laughs> brutal last year. Um, I mean, they, they were, they tried to address it, um, you know, that draft uh, by taking uh, Jonah Williams and the injury kind of just debilitated their, their confidence as a line, I think going in, uh, you know, losing a guy that they were expecting to be a key cog right away for them, uh, be able to insert there and make it be an immediate difference maker. Um, and now they'll have him back. So, I mean, that's they didn't really address the issues as much as I'd like to, them to. I mean, they they spent a lot of their early picks on skilled position players, um, which they they did need. 
um, as well. Um, you know, you know, maybe T Higgins, uh, great pick a guy that was, you know, best player available pretty much to him. They had a first round grade on him and he probably would have been a first rounder in any other draft class. It's just this one was loaded. So, you know, they, they had him. Um, I would have liked to seen that be another offensive lineman just to, you know, bolster this a little bit more. So still an issue for them. Definitely going to be an issue, but something that they are going to slightly improve on. Yeah, they also signed Xavier Suafilo to a three-year deal, and they do have a Michael Jordan on their line. So, you know, that always helps. <laughs> winning, winning pedigree uh, at the very <laughs> least. I, he's probably getting calls from Jordan saying, listen, man, because I know Jordan's actually uh, – he he took he doesn't like that Michael Michael B Jordan has his name he just said it's my name with just B in there he didn't change anything so uh, you know this guy's probably getting texts or phone calls every time he gets uh, pancaked or blown up or something so I wouldn't I wouldn't be I wouldn't be shocked if someone's getting into him to get a little harder into training camp yeah of all the athletes I mean the goat Michael Jordan it, you know if his name was trademarked I, I think it would it would make sense yeah uh, now on the defensive side. Again, they were slightly below average against the pass, but terrible against the run, just like on offense. On defense, they gave up 2,382 yards rushing, which was dead last. They gave up 17 touchdowns on the ground. That was 27th, 4.7 yards per carry, 25th. So just a real mess. But there have been a lot of changes to the Cincinnati defense. And you get the feeling that Zach Taylor got in there and said, well, if you're not cutting it from my perspective, then you're going to get cut. Uh, looking at the secondary, the Bengals have released Dre Kirkpatrick and B.W. Webb. Those two guys combined for 70 tackles and one interception. And they spent big money in the secondary. They signed Trey Waynes to a three-year deal from Minnesota for $42 million. He had over 50 solo tackles, two forced fumbles, and an interception. And then they signed safety Vaughn Bell from New Orleans to a three-year deal for $18 million. He had, he had over 60 tackle, solo tackles, two forced fumbles, and an interception. And then they signed slot corner Mackenzie Alexander from Minnesota for one, one year at $4 million. So for a team that was below average against the pass, they only, they only uh, forced 16 turnovers on defense. Um you know, they needed some playmakers. They needed some playmakers. So uh, some potential upgrades there. With the linebackers, they signed uh, Josh Bynes from Baltimore to a one-year deal. He could come in and be their starting middle linebacker. And they also addressed linebacker position in the draft. Third round, they took Logan Wilson out of Wyoming. He had 10 interceptions and took two back to the house. And they also spent a fourth-round draft pick on Akeem Davis-Gaither. He's a little bit undersized from Appalachian State, but he could come in and, and make some plays as well. And then on the defensive line, they had uh, Carlos Dunlap coming back uh, along with Sam Hubbard on the edge. They combined for 17 and a half sacks. Geno Atkins is coming back, their Pro Bowl uh, defensive tackle. And then the other big splash is they signed DJ Reader from Houston Four years for 53 million. So finally, uh, you know, Cincinnati, a team that's not known to to spend big in free agency, they made a big investment on defense this offseason. 
Yeah, and that was and that was one of their other. So the Bengals clearly had a lot of issues to address after last season. Now uh, going two and fourteen, it's never just one thing is as a problem. Uh, you know, their offensive line struggled. They needed to address that a little bit. Their defense was obviously struggling mightily, just playmakers and, and any any kind of stoppage in general. Um, and you know, their linebacking core was also so their secondary and linebacking core, their front their front not you know, their front line was is dreadful as well. So they had a lot of areas to address. Um, they got some guys back due to injury. Um, I will say that, you know, them spending all of this money on the defense was part of part of Zach Taylor's plan, I think. Um, you know, they didn't have enough money where they can go out there and sign playmaking guards and, and, and tackles on uh, offensive end um, and defensively. They kind of had to pick one or the two. So they chose defense, and it's mostly because they saw that there was still some talent left on this offense where they can still probably make quick plays. Burroughs was a college quarterback who was very successful under pressure and escaping pressure. So they said, hey, you know what, we're going to we're going to try to make this as much of a win now moment as we possibly could. Like I said, I don't think they're they're expecting to go out there and make and win a Super Bowl necessarily. Uh, but Zach Taylor is also not trying to turn in another two and 14 season. He's trying to become as close to playoff relevancy, if not, you know, borderline eight and eight as as possible. So I think that's their plan. Use what use the best assets that they have right now. And that's Joe Burrows is, you know, playmaking ability under pressure, not going to have the best line necessarily, uh, and then allow their defense to keep them in games, be competitive defensively and, and, and see what clicks. So um, I think I think they're going to be good. I think this defense has improved. I don't think it's going to be fantastic. I still think it's one that we're going to try to attack, but it's still going to be uh, I'm going to be attacking it on the ground probably more often than I will in the air. These additions to their secondary are big additions they're good i mean they basically took what the vikings had and said give us that so right. they you know they took their ball and they went home with it now they have the Vikings secondary they drafted a ton of linebackers where even if one of these guys pans out and you know we'll get to their major additional linebacker it's he's not just a you know a hard-nosed run, a run-stopping linebacker it's it's a guy that can play coverage as well so um it's gonna be a unique team um and we're just gonna kind of have to see how this pans out again i think a lot of it's gonna come down to strength of schedule for them yeah, and attacking them against uh, with the running running backs that was really a very successful approach last year in DFS, and it makes sense that Zach Taylor chose that defensive line linebacker group to address first because this is a tough division with running backs. Baltimore, Pittsburgh, and Cleveland all have strong rushing attacks and star running backs. So you know just to survive in this division, they had to do it. And that'll be an important thing to watch early in the season is have these defensive changes improve the defense enough so that they can actually stop the run. Uh, because, you know, we, we know in, in DFS from year to year, things change so much uh, with coaching changes, personnel changes, defensive scheme changes. Uh, and so just because they were dead last in the NFL last year, it doesn't mean it'll happen again this year, but we're going to be monitoring that, you know, throughout the preseason and in those first few weeks to see, it, uh, you know, if we're going to continue to tar- target them heavily. Now, um, we're what, 15 minutes in? We might as well jump to the star of the show here, uh, uh, Joe Burrow. So it was, uh, you know, a decent era from Dalton, um, several playoff appearances, but it just sort of trended down at the end. And this guy's a an absolute star, had one of the best college seasons ever. So how do you think Joe Burrow will do in year one? 
I think he's walking into um, a fantastic situation. I mean, he, he's walking into a very similar situation that he had when he was playing at LSU. They're going to allow him to play very similar systems. Looks like they're going to run a lot of four wide receiver sets, allow him to have his receivers to have you know room and space to make plays for him. Um, and they're you know they're going to try to limit his mistakes. They're not asking for the world from him. I think that's going to be the number one thing. Like I said off the start, it's that he's you know. A lot of times people look for their franchise quarterback, that first overall pick to be the savior, to turn everything around immediately. And he's a proven winner who could do that. But it's also going to be, I think, a lot of the Joe Mixon train. It's going to be getting this defense going. They know that they're playing behind a tough offensive line that's not going to be able to protect them for very long. So, you know, again, strength of schedule is, is I'm going to keep mentioning it because especially for DFS, he's not a guy that I'm going to be going to the well for very early. I think he's going to be a great game manager. I don't think his stats are going to be awful, but I just don't think that they're going to be a top 15 type fantasy stats that we're going to be looking forward to, which he very well could be in the future. But talking about the season he had, unbelievable this kid was pretty much a, a no miss pick you know not a quarterback that we have, that we're really worried about being a bust um on any given year do i think he in my personal humble opinion and this it may be some people's take and maybe a hot take do i think he was the best quarterback in the draft I, I don't i i you know i had him probably about third i think that there was you know one or two whether you know i think that tua had he been healthy not injured his hip was the surefire first overall pick going in this draft um, and then I think there's a couple, you know, me and Santino go back and forth. I, I really, I'm a big fan of Jake Fromm. He's a big fan of Jalen Hurts. We both said that, you know, those two guys probably could have, uh, well, he didn't say Fromm. I said Fromm. He said Hurts. Uh, could have went ahead of him as well. But he's very polished. He's, he's very good under pressure. Talking about his numbers, 5,671 yards last season with 60 touchdowns to only six interceptions. One of the best seasons we've seen from a college quarterback in history. Um, you can't argue with those numbers. And it's, it's, people want to say, yes, he had the best weapons around him. He did. He absolutely did. Tua had fantastic weapons around him as well. Uh, let's not forget that. And he's walking into a, a system where he's got fantastic weapons surrounding him. So, I'm, I'm again, I think he's going to have a very successful NFL career. Um but not anything that I'm expecting to come light the gates out and be, you know, a top 15 or 20 quarterback right away. Very interesting. Very hot take from Micah Patry on this holiday Sunday. Interesting. Yeah. I can tell that you've been you've been talking to Santino quite a bit because uh, we know his love for Tua. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's unbelievable. Uh, but, you know, that'll be that'll be the, the, the test because Burrow, you know, he hadn't done it until last year. And then he was just off the charts. So how much of it is the system with Brady uh, calling the shots? How much of it is the weapons? But he was playing against some pretty good competition in the SEC. Ooh. And Pro Football Focus rated him out of the quarterback class the best in terms of accuracy, the best deep ball, and the best outside the pocket, which are three pretty good things to score highly in uh, as, as a quarterback. And you mentioned that 60 to 6 touchdown interception ratio just phenomenal on the deep balls specifically he threw 26 touchdowns only two interceptions so if they can just hold him up and protect him give him a give him a give him a chance um with aj green coming back uh, you know the draft pick they spent on t higgins we'll get to the wide receiver group here in, in a minute but uh this is going to be exciting i'm excited to watch it um you know, it's, it's also kind of fun because lots of times with these early early draft picks on quarterbacks, the narrative is, well, you know, should we even – how much should he sit on the bench and learn? Should he 
Should we get him in there in the second half of the season? Should we just wait till year two, kind of like Mahomes? Um, but I, there's no debate. He's going to be out there week one. They're going to put the ball in his hands and, and, and let him learn on the job. And it makes sense with Dalton gone. The backup right now is Ryan Finley. And the, the Bengals spent a fourth-round pick on him last year, but he got three starts last year, and it was awful. They were 0-3. Each game, he was under 200 yards passing. In the three games, he only accounted for two touchdowns, and he had five turnovers. He got sacked 11 times, and he managed to account for 5.4 yards per attempt. So this is a situation where if, if Burrow goes down, it's straight back into tank mode. Yeah. <laughs> and let's get another high That's draft pick exactly. next year. That's exactly it. If something happens to Burroughs, it's just them looking at their their next offensive lineman first overall or second or third overall, whoever it is, because they have all their skill positions. That's the one area in need. That would be the only absolute positive. Uh, there's no chance that this guy sniffs the field if Burroughs healthy. It doesn't matter how bad Burroughs does. He can literally start the season off going with three touchdowns, 13 interceptions. We're not seeing Finley. I can promise you guys that. We might see more running game, uh, but there's there's really no way that they want to give this guy Finley any time unless, unless something medically happens to Burrow. So um, I think, you know, you touched on it. 0-3 uh, did not do well at all. There's not much more. It's not like we were looking at him in DFS at all, even when he did have the chance. You know, maybe that first week where you're just saying, hey, we don't know what this could be. Let's take a shot. Yeah, sure. Uh, I did that with Nate Peterson one time, and I think we know how that probably went for most people. Uh, one of the, you know, started him, one of the only quarterbacks that can get you negative points in history. Yeah, uh, but yeah. Uh, and I and I and I had him. So um, I'm not I'm not looking at Finley for anything more than just a hey he's there kind of guy. Right. Well, let's transition to the running back group, and this is one of the most interesting stats that I've come across in our DFS dive across the NFL. Mike, check this out. With Joe Mixon and Gio Bernard last year, they were the only two running backs to get a carry for Cincinnati. Nobody else got a single handoff. You know, the quarterbacks kept it a few times. A few of the wide receivers got a few carries. But that was it. Um, And so that's one more reason I was a little bit surprised that they were so bad, you know, averaging under four yards per carry as a team. You know, these guys are accomplished. They've had some, um, some really strong moments in the NFL. So start with uh, Joe Mixon. Do you think he can uh, be more productive this season? I mean, the productivity is actually there for him. When you, a lot of Mixon's numbers are hidden behind an invisible curtain of badness, and that's that offensive line. I mean, this guy's working with what he has. As far as talent in the NFL, he's probably a top five talent-wise running back. I mean, this guy is a workhorse. He can do it all. He can play on third down as well. Um, and we've kind of seen him, you know, slowly take that job away from Giovanni Bernard when we talk about third down work and just, you know, overall work in general. They want this guy to be the workhorse. Um, offensive line is the issue, though. I mean, you know, we we see I talked about, you know, uh, Jonah Williams coming back. And but, you know, that's left tackle. He's mostly there uh, to help our new boy Joe Burrows out and keep him alive. So we, we got to see what ends up happening as far as, you know, does this offensive line and, and, and what we're hearing. Uh, and it's mostly coming from inside the, the, the locker room. And I guess the, the so to say, locker room from everybody being stranded miles and miles away from each other uh, is that it's going to be improved. Uh, and that's what you hear every time from all the guys that come back and play a second year. And yes, most of these guys were fairly young and they did make one uh, addition as uh, as far as signing a free agent. So it will be improved. 
So I'm expecting better numbers. Uh, 278 carries for 1,137 yards. Um, that's good. I mean, I, it's not it's not a fantastic you know yards per carry that we'd love to see or yards per attempt. 4.1 is not bad though. And you know we're talking about the year prior 4.9. So this dude has the talent. Um, I'm expecting a better season. It's going to be a big game script moment. So we're going to probably see this Bengals team, while the defense is improved, they're probably still going to be trailing a fair amount of games. I talked about their schedule already being fairly tough. So I think about knowing the matchups. I touched on uh, the first few weeks of the season, I think, are the best time to kind of capitalize on Mixon. And that's mostly because they're going to be walking into a San Diego week one where we know they have one of the best pass attacks in or pass defenses in the league. The addition of Chris Harrison with how good they already were. Not a team that Burroughs is probably going to be picking apart. I can see the Bengals easily trying to control the tempo of this game, especially if uh, if, if uh, Herbert is, is starting, I mean, that's that's even, you know, two rookie quarterbacks going at each other. You can imagine the ground game being prevalent for both teams in that kind of atmosphere. Um, and then the following week, we get to see it's a it's a Thursday night game. So shortened week, not a lot of time to prepare. We generally see a lot of these Thursday night games kind of be running attack focused games just because it's the best way to go. So I'm, I'm really going to be looking to capitalize on. And then the Browns, I think, are, are I think are week three, if I'm not mistaken. Um, or the Browns, I'm sorry, the Browns week two. Did I say that wrong? Yeah, Browns, yeah, week, Browns two are week two on the, two on the week. Thursday game. And the yeah. Browns are, are, are poor run defense anyway. So those are the two matchups I'm really looking to capitalize right away, right off the whip. Uh, it gets a little tougher when it, once you see week three with the Eagles. So maybe, you you know, you ease back a little bit. You let that salary drop. But there's no way that Mixon's going to come in here and probably be even one of the top six priced or seven priced running backs. Uh, you know, I can, I can imagine probably being, you know, in top 10. But he's going to fall under the radar, and I think those two matchups are easily good ones that we can capitalize on. Yeah, I agree. I think Mixon will be more efficient this year uh, with the better line and the increased, improved passing attack. Um, They can't just crowd the box. Uh, I also like your idea of focusing on those early matchups. And you're right. You know, his price tag was more in that middle tier of star running backs. So even though he wasn't that explosive last year you know his touchdowns were down he did hit value seven out of 16 weeks Uh, and actually it was in that finale against cleveland last year his best game 162 yards and two scores so uh that very well might be a big target for us week two on that thursday night showdown slate real quick one more one more thing i just want to say about him because i um you know i think we've already touched we both love the guy um as good as his yards per carry in 2018, I think it was 4.9 yards per carry, and it was on a good sample size, 237 rushes. He only broke six tackles that season. Um, talking about last season, 4.1. He broke 24 tackles to earn that 4.1. So it just shows you you touched on it. I didn't put enough emphasis on it. The box was crowded for him. Um, they knew that the passing attack, Tyler Boyd's not bad, but he's not A.J. Green. And when you're talking, especially when Finley got involved, it was basically everybody knew what was coming. The ball's going towards Mixon. So he was playing with a crowded box and was still able to shake 24 uh, broken tackles off. So I think that's impressive. And we talk about the yards uh, yards per carry after uh, after contact, you know, 1.8. That's He's taking a lot of contact. Take that with a grain of salt. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. And it's fun, by the way, to talk about these matchups. It, it is May, but, man, can't wait till the season gets here. Now, the other guy, uh, the other backfield mate there, Gio Bernard, uh, just down year across the board. All right, He had career, career lows in rushing attempts, rushing yardage, yards per carry. 
He didn't score, so that was a career low. Even career lows in receptions with 30 and no scores there either. So uh, really frustrating, especially if you owned him in season long. But even in DFS, he didn't have a single game over 10 fantasy points. And for a guy that's known as a third third down back who can catch passes, that's just unacceptable. And there's just no way you can invest in him with, with that sort of performance. So um, there's no way he can go anywhere but up after a season like that. Yeah, you'd, you'd think that. And, um, you know, I think it's just kind of them showing the the faith in Joe Mixon and the reason why they brought this kid in. Excuse my neighbor weed whacking. I'm sure you guys can probably hear that fairly well. So I'll keep That's my right. Giovanni Bernard take fairly short. part sure. of the holiday I, season here. <laughs> <laughs> I said most of everything I needed to say. It's, uh, the, you know, the down production, yes, it's it's part of, you know, I think it's a little bit towards age. This guy's got some miles on him. He's been in the league since 2013, and he's had a fairly strong workload. Uh, for most of his career, I mean, that, other than, you know, is, uh, is a few abbreviated injuries. Um, but, you know, it's part of Mixon being able to play that third down role as well and being able to disguise that on, you know, whether it's going to be a play action or not. A lot of the times we see Giovanni come on for Mixon in those third down roles, and it's kind of hard to disguise a play action pass when you know the, pa- the passing down uh, back is coming on the field. When you're able to have a guy that can do it all, you can really confuse defenses. So I think that's part of the part of the reason why we're seeing Bernard uh, get his role deep. Decreased. It's simply that Mixon's able to take on the role. He's good enough to take on the role. Helps their offensive packages a little bit more, a little bit to age as well. Um, and he's mostly just that insurance policy at this point for Mixon. If something were to happen to Mixon, he's a very serviceable backup. We've seen him be able to step on the field and be able to do his job time in and time out. But not a guy that you know is necessarily a starter uh, in this league anymore. Yeah, you're right. Seven years in now. Uh, so he's getting towards the end of his run probably as a uh, a weapon on third down. So, Mike, you know what you should do? Every time we do a podcast, you should throw some sort of siren out outside your building to alert the neighborhood. Uh, it's on air where it says it's live. podcast time. It's on air time. No background I'm, was allowed. I'm grateful enough that uh, that my downstairs neighbors, since this whole, uh, you know, stay at home thing took took place. They've been getting after it party-wise, man. So a lot of the times I'm fighting 80s music, really blaring uh, with, you know, them drinking on the deck. And that is, you know, that's hard to go through. But, uh, you know, hey, when in Rome, party on, man. If you're home and you're home, you do your thing. You're never going to hear any judgment. I'll be getting my party on later, man. So they'll be dealing with me later. Uh, probably me and Santino arguing over a yard game or, of some sort or some, uh, you know, who's better than who kind of argument in sports. We we do that left and right. So, uh, they'll be the they'll, I'll, I'll be giving them a payback later. Well, hey, from my perspective, if the background music from the neighbors is 80s music, I'm happy. You know, I, <laughs> I can handle that. It's a nice uh, uh, not enough 80s rock to the, to the podcast, huh? Not enough 80s rock though. That's the thing. I, I oh, you okay. know 80s rock I can do. Okay, all right. Well, <laughs> uh, we hope you all are enjoying your uh, holiday weekend here, and uh, we are going to transition to the wide receiver group and. One thing to debate at the barbecue this weekend is how productive will A.J. Green be with this rookie quarterback, Joe Burrow? And it was a rough season last year. The ankle injury, will he come back? When? And no, he never comes back. It was just a lost season, putting a lot of pressure on the rest of the team. But he's ready to go. They've slapped the franchise tag on him. So uh, how are we feeling about A.J. Green this year? 
I'm feeling great about it personally. I mean, I'm I'm treating this kind of almost how you heard Shane on our uh, on our Texans show yesterday talk about David Johnson. I'm buying low on the guy. I mean, um, you know, maybe that's as far as if you're a best ball player, um, or if you're a season long player doing dynasty league, whatever it may be. I think it's still a great opportunity to buy on this guy. Yes, he hit that 30 year mark. Yes, he's had some injuries over. Uh, but they, this is the first like, you know, real glaring injury that uh, that we've seen, you know, that he probably could have came back from. But it got to the point where it was why bother? You know, you heard him during training camps or I mean, during, uh, you know, pregame warm up saying it's still sore, it's still tender. But this was also a guy that was debating on whether or not he was going to play there next year. So he didn't want to play. Uh, the Bengals probably had the idea that they were going to tag him all along with the franchise tag. So they didn't really need him to play. They, they were tanking for Burroughs. So uh, all it did was give him more time to recover, get back, get right for this season. Uh, now he has that quarterback that he can actually be accurate, get him the ball in the places that, you know, Andy Dalton might have struggled, make the right decisions, play under pressure. Dalton was terrible under pressure. That was one thing that as soon as the pocket collapsed and Dalton was forced to play on his feet, um, things weren't necessarily going his way. So I'm really looking forward to A.J. Green. He's going to be one of my favorite receivers, maybe not the target in week one. And that might be that that difficult matchup might be a good thing for us as far as DFS, because I think a lot of people are he's he's a household name. He's a top five receiver for the past you know eight or so years. So we can imagine that a lot of people are going to be looking forward to him being healthy um, with with a young quarterback like Joe Burrows. But I'm saying let people play in week one, let them have their taste. Maybe even week two, like I said, I'm looking at mixing both of those weeks more or less. So let them have their taste with them those first two weeks. Uh, week three, Eagles, not a, not a great one. But after that, doors are coming off. This dude's going to have the, the rapport built with this kid. He's going to have the good matchups, and he's going to be running with it. So I'm thinking back to good old A.J. Green, uh, you know, those over 1,000-yard seasons. He's going to receive the most amount of targets. I'm not saying he's maybe going to get 160, 170 like his first few years there uh, in, in, in on the Bengals but in Cincinnati. Uh, but I could easily see, you know, 140, 150 uh, 130. It's going to be right back to the well with this guy. He's that good. He's still an unbelievable talent. It, it wasn't like he tore his Achilles. He broke his ankle. That was a tough injury to deal with. But when you have the right amount of time to heal, you can come back from that. Yeah, and let's hope we get good old A.J. Green, as you said. His career averages are 75 catches for a little over 1,100 yards and eight scores per season. And the last full season he had in 2017, he had almost those exact numbers. So, um, that would be terrific for the Bengals' fortunes if if he could repeat that type of performance. And like you said, you know, projecting out the schedule and his salary, if it's uh, slow going those first three weeks, I'd love to jump on him weeks four and five, right in that range when his price is down and he's got a few weeks under his belt with Burrow. So uh, we'll mark that strategy down for our early season approach to A.J. Green. And how about Tyler Boyd? This is a guy who stepped up with 90 catches and over a thousand yards without AJ green. Um, do you think he'll benefit with, uh, you know, having a, a much more balanced and productive receiving core out there alongside him? He'll benefit as far as, you know, defensive coverages go. Uh, you know, he's not going to be that number one guy that's drawn too many double coverages with AJ green back. So that's definitely going to be the benefit. He's going to obviously take a hit without as much of a forced workload like he had. Uh, definitely going to see those targets go down. He had 100, almost 150 last season, 148. The year prior, he saw 108, and that was also with a hobbled A.J. Green, missed half the season as well in that year. So, um, you know, prior to that, we're looking, you know, we can go back to that 2017 season. He didn't start uh, anything more than one game in there, uh, saw 32 targets. So, I, I mean, I, I still have him probably close to that 100 mark. 
um, just because we know that he's a very talented receiver. I think playing the slot more or less is going to help him a lot. He's, he's projected to probably be their starting slot guy, um, whether or not, you know, it's, it's Bross or Higgins on the outside, however they want to do that. Um, you know, I, I would I wouldn't be shocked if, you know, it is Higgins, even off the rip, to be honest. I just know that, you know, Ross, the way that they kind of already declined his option, basically said, hey, buddy, you, you know, you're going to have to earn your money, play for your money for another team at this point. Uh, he was also we'll get to him enough. I don't want to keep going on him. But, um, you know, I, I, I am expecting a, a slightly down year. I'm not expecting a thousand yards. Uh, the touchdowns five. That seems right about right. I could see five touchdowns again, 800 yards, maybe maybe close to nine. Um, but it helps to have Joe Burrows as your quarterback, very accurate quarterback a guy that relied on the slot um, a lot last season. When we talk about Justin Jefferson playing primarily out of the slot, 111 receptions. So he will look there. He's not afraid to look there. Those short underneath routes are going to be great for a rookie quarterback who's still adjusting to the decision-making at the NFL level, a quick pass. I think he's going to be successful. He's a guy that I'm going to target in DFS. Uh, as a one-off play, if he gets cheap enough, I think he's, his price is probably going to be inflated a little bit from last season's production. Obviously, algorithms are going to take into account of A.J. Green returning, so you know it won't be too high. It'll be fair. But the first, again, I'm not targeting any of these receivers uh, probably for the first few weeks. I'm going to let the price come down after they struggle, which I'm expecting, uh, due to the matchups, and then jump on and capitalize on probably like week four and on. Excellent. Yeah. With that production last year, his price trended up towards 6.7 K on DraftKings. Uh, so definitely if it's if it's inflated early because of that performance, uh, I agree. Let's let's look elsewhere. Uh, you know, it was impressive, though, to take advantage of the opportunity. He was healthy, durable, 80, 89 percent of the snaps and they invested big money in him. They put they signed him last year to a four year, 43 million dollar extension. And uh, I agree. N- nice point there about, um, you know, not being afraid to go to the slot, Burrow. And in case we didn't mention it, Burrow completed 76 percent of his passes uh, in college. Uh, so, you know, even if the targets are down a little bit, uh, you got to be figure, good targets. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. They're going to be very I'm sorry to cut you off, though, but yeah, I, I didn't touch on that when I mentioned Burroughs. And it's excellent that you bring that up. And it just it's it's, it's you instantly get that light bulb moment. I'm like, oh, they're going to they're gonna be ex- I, I can finish your sentence in that one because it's such an obvious improvement when it comes to something like that. And I just glanced right over it and I didn't mention it. So kudos to you. I'm picking that up. Um, absolutely. They're going to be you know, less targets, but they're going to be uh, more catchable balls, better targets, more on target passing. Uh, passes. So all these things come into account. And, you know, sometimes you look at receivers when it comes to drop passes. Sometimes they're drop passes. Sometimes they're difficult ones that they maybe could have came down with. Um, A lot of those things are going to go in Boyd's favor, I guess, this season. Absolutely. Well, I'm going to take your lead and uh, and be a gentleman here and let you decide who you want to talk about next. You already hit on T. Higgins and John Ross. So where do you want to turn next? We'll go with Ross because I, I want to give you a little bit of Higgins. Um, I'm going to do, I think, a little bit more of the color commentary when it comes to Higgins, the fun stuff. Okay. Um, but as far as Ross, uh, you know, this is a guy, he's an absolute burner. We saw him at the Combine just you know, break records. So this dude is is who he is. He's 5'11". He's an absolute speed demon. He's pretty much has one route, which is go. We've seen those quick underneath slant or screens be set up for him. A lot of those, uh, you know, he actually had some some plays designed for him last season after A.J. Green went down early. Um, they knew that they had to get a little bit uh, tricky with their offense if they wanted to actually put some points up on the board and utilize this kid. Um, you know, declined his player option, so this is pretty much it for him. It looks like, you know, go out there, show other teams that you're worth something, and 
sign somewhere else because we're probably not going to give you the money. They brought in Higgins for a reason. They're pretty much you know over this situation and moving on from it. Uh, the glaring weakness in his game, yes, his route tree. It's very it's very shallow. He doesn't have a lot of routes that he could run, and he drops a lot of passes. He's a notorious, one of those notorious speedsters who struggles with catching the ball. Uh, he literally, uh, his career catch per, catch percentage is 42.2. Last season, his high was his high at 50. So, I mean, obviously, his rookie year was battling through injuries, but um, you know, eight eight drops and only uh, about eight games played before he went out with injury last season. So, not not something that's really reliable and it's going to be a problem when you have a very very capable receiving core with good people um you know that you know we're, that are on the bench at this point because there's not enough mouths to feed so i'm not really looking forward to anything as much as ross i wouldn't expect much out of him other than designed big plays where you know play action passes try to catch the defense sleeping yeah man it's almost like he's just a, a tease you, so you can't really blame the Bengals for declining that option i mean this guy was Selected in the first round, number nine overall. He's got the 4-2-2 speed, and you know he'll 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 flash like last year in week one was his best week. Seven catches for 158 and two scores against Seattle. So he gets a 30-point game, and then you know midway through the season he's done. He's hurt again, um, so he just didn't have much of an opportunity to pay off value playing in those eight games. So. Um, I agree. Um, can't really rely on him for too much. Um, and they've kind of turned the page as they look towards T Higgins. So I'll give you the play by play on this guy. Um, as you mentioned, they're excited to get him, uh, first round talent. They got him in the, the first pick of the, of the second round, uh, a big bodied receiver, six, four, two fifteen, uh, big body, good hands, and very productive at Clemson. 59 catches the last two years each season, and he increased his production from just over 900 yards to 1167 last year, and he went from 12 touchdowns to 13. So there is the general play-by-play on Higgins. Mike, give us the color commentary on this fellow. So the color commentary is pretty fun surrounding Higgins, in in my opinion, and it kind of leads to why the Bengals – wanted this kid so bad and he was the best player available on their board um that's kind of the route that they took they you know some sometimes in past years they've gone with trying to fill positions of needs in in reaching on guys and it never works out for them so uh they got their guy and he's their guy for a reason um you know he was very productive in college he had a first round grade he's a very big receiver um you know just in case this franchise tag thing with AJ Green doesn't work out long term they have that guy that can be that red zone threat for them going forward um and he's a Bengals fan man he grew up a Bengals fan he absolutely loves the Bengals so it's easy to bring a guy that loves you into camp so it's not you know he's he's modeled his actually his favorite player growing up AJ Green that's who he's tried to model his game after uh, and now he gets to learn from them. So, you know, this is it's made, it's a picture perfect situation for the Bengals, knowing that they can get this big dude that has been playing like and that's also his player comp. Uh, if you go on most sites on NFL Network or NFL.com, I believe their player comp for him uh, is A.J. Green. So 
Um, it's just a picture-perfect scenario for him. He's kind of one of those guys that looks like he's ready to just to come in there and make plays for him when they need him to make plays. If anything happens to injury-prone uh, A.J. Green or injury-prone John Ross, then we get this guy that can come in here and step up and uh, you know be that guy to punish defenses if they try to double-cover uh, Tyler Boyd. Or if they try to double-cover him, now they have Tyler Boyd as their secondary weapon. So no matter what, it, it's a nice insurance blanket for now and for the future for him. Yeah, absolutely. And it, you know if you picture it, um, it's kind of fun if, if you got these almost clones, right? A.J. Green on one side, Higgins on the other. They're both listed right around 6'4", 210 to 215. And, you know, they're, they're playmakers. And then you've got Tyler Boyd in the slot, who's big for a slot guy. If, if that's where he's going to run the majority of his routes, 6'2", 203. That's a pretty imposing trio physically. So, uh, you know, some excitement. And uh, you're right. A little cherry on top that Higgins came in as a Bengals fan. It's perfect. <laughs> little little fun commentary, color. You know, doing research coming into this, and you, you find some little nuggets, and uh, that that was one that I took, and I'm like, well, that's pretty cool because that's actually a difference maker for some people. I mean, you know, you've seen Garrett Cole just put a smile on his face once he, you know, put that Yankee hat on because he grew up a Yankee fan. So in all sports, playing for the team you grew up loving. There's nothing better than that. And you know that it's a little bit more to you knowing that you were one of those people in those stands at one point cheering these guys on. And you know what it takes to make one of those fans happy if you are one. So uh, he's ready to come out here, perform right away. I, I expect him to have some sort of, you know, I wouldn't expect like immediate fantasy number impact, but definitely immediate, immediate uh, actual football perspective impact for this team. Yeah, he's definitely going to try and make those ben- Bengals faithful proud. Now, with the rest of the group, we'll just touch on them briefly, Auden Tate and Alex Erickson. These are guys who had big responsibilities last year with, with the injuries, but it's going to be a much different story. I mean, the four guys we've mentioned uh, are going to be big names for the Bengals. Now, Auden Tate, another big-bodied receiver, 6'5", 228, and he managed to get 40 catches for 575 last year. Pretty decent numbers in 12 games. Uh, the problem was that he had no ceiling. He only had five games over 10 fantasy points, didn't have any over 20, and he's he's not known for his speed. He only ran a 4.6840. So, um, you know, to me, he looks like a very capable backup if, if they need him. And then Alex Erickson, here's a, a reliable guy. Um, 16 games, he played every week. Uh, paid off value five times. He had one ceiling game against Jacksonville where he went eight for 137, um, but he didn't get in the end zone. So um, to me, these aren't guys that I'm anticipating playing. Uh, they're going to be coming off the bench. Um, do you have what's your perspective on these guys? Um, Tate, I think is a very talented, I think he's talented. I think he's, he's, like you said, he's a big bodied guy. So you pretty much know what kind of packages he's going to be used in. He's a lot of red zone packages, uses size in the red zone. I think that's very capable for him. I think he's a very, very good backup to have. He's going to be the, uh, Higgins is probably biggest competition for reps, uh, in my opinion. Um, just because, you know, he's uh, the other big outside guy. Um, I already gave my take on Ross. I think he's mostly just going to be designed packages sort of guy. Try to, you know, take the safety with him. If he's just going to pull deep, you know, get the safety out of somebody else's hair. Or, you know, maybe it's a designed play action for him. Uh, but I think if, if anything does happen to these guys, they have a very good, capable receiver. A guy that we can, you know, if an injury does take place, look, as a, look at as a decent one-off play. And just a low-owned GPP type guy who, you know, maybe they get find themselves in the red zone a couple times. He sniffs three or four 
catches. Two of them end up being touchdowns, that sort of play. Uh, but not a guy that we're really going to be gravitating towards on a, on a weekly basis for DFS if everybody's healthy. Excellent. All right, well, let's transition to the tight end group. Um, Tyler Eifert is gone. Seven years in town. Um, and he's down in Jacksonville now. Uh, he got targeted 63 times last year. And without his presence, that's going to open up some opportunities for C.J. Uzama. Uh, what's your outlook for him this year? Well, I mean, he's going to have the opportunity. He had a little bit of the opportunity last season. He was only targeted about 40 times. So it's it's not a position that, you know, we've actually seen a tight end thrive in. Eifert, we expected to just because of his caliber and his pedigree. Injuries kind of, you know, withheld him from really showing what he could do. But there's one thing that goes in football and especially in fantasy football and daily fantasy football. And that is uh, the tight end is a rookie quarterback's best friend. Um, it's just known when anything goes wrong, anything breaks down, you look at your tight end and that's the number one thing I think that we can expect. Um, now did Burroughs utilize his tight end all that much in college? Well, you don't really need to at, at, at the college level when you have that many skill position players around you at the caliber that they were playing at. So um, I don't think that's going to be indicative of what he's going to necessarily do. So not expecting anything much, a low owned tight end where when all else fails, you love the rest of your lineup, break glass. I have to spend almost minimum on a guy, that kind of guy, probably one of the best minimum tight ends that we can look at simply because he has a rookie quarterback that when all else fails could rely on him. Yeah, I like that you highlighted his, his price because he didn't have great production. But even as the second tight end, you know, he hit he hit value several times. Um, his best game was four for 37 and a touchdown. And, you know, that's oftentimes what you're looking for with one of these cheap tight ends. But I do think he'll numbers will his numbers will increase a little bit. And uh, fun numbers. Um, check this out. Last year, Tyler Eifert was 43 catches for 436 yards and three touchdowns. Two years ago, Uzama was 43 catches for 439 yards and three touchdowns. So just th- three yards more. And I-, I mentioned that because two years ago, Eifert only played four games. And so this was a, the, you know, we got a, a recent opportunity to see what Uzama would do when he got the majority of the targets. Um, so I do think he'll, um, he'll have numbers along those lines. And if that price stays under 3000, I think he's somebody we can definitely look at. Um, You know, some of these teams are really poor against the tight ends, uh, whether that's Arizona or Cleveland. So um, we'll we'll look to him in those matchups. And then the backup they have now on the roster is Drew Drew Sample. He was their second round draft pick last year out of Washington. Uh, Only got targeted six times, caught five passes, didn't get in the end zone, but he was hurt. Only played nine games. Decent athlete. They certainly invested in him as a potential tight end of the future. So uh, a guy to watch if Uzama goes down. Now, Mike, before we hit on the draft uh, one more time, I just want to mention that everybody can follow this fine gentleman on Twitter at Micah Patria. That's M-I-K-E. 